0: Hi, I'm Mark DeMoz, one of the teaching pastors at the Mosaic Church of Central Arkansas, located in the University District of Little Rock's Urban Center, 72204. Welcome to our podcast. Founded in the summer of 2001, Mosaic is a multi-ethnic and economically diverse church where significant percentages of black and white Americans, together with men and women from more than 25 nations, walk, work, and worship God together as one. Learn more at mosaicchurch.net. The following message was recorded live at Mosaic as part of the He Gets Us series in the winter of 2023. Thanks for listening. Well, as Michael said, good morning to all of you, especially those here for the first time, those joining us online. We are so honored that you chose to be with us this morning here at Mosaic Church. You having a good time so far? Hopefully very good. All good. Good hospitality, love. I hope you feel that from our body Today, You know, if you're just joining us, uh, we have been, in fact, today we're finishing a series we started in January uh, called He Gets Us. Perhaps you've seen the commercials on TV, the He Gets Us commercials. We've actually been studying about what does it mean that Jesus lived in life, walked this earth, and understood who we are as human beings. One of the things that we found during the study is that, according to Barna Research conducted back in 2021, uh, 86% of U.S. adults, that's 219 million U.S. adults in this country, uh, are somewhat to completely certain that a real person named Jesus existed some 2,000 years ago. 86% of this country, U.S. adults believe that he, in fact, existed, a real person named Jesus existed some 2,000 years ago. More than that, That same 86% have a favorable view of Jesus. In fact, take a look at some of the things on the screen that that people report about Jesus in terms of how they understand him. They believe that he was inclusive, that he was kind, that he was positive, that his teachings are are good not only for your own life, but for society. That Jesus lived an exemplary life. That is a life in which we will benefit individually and collectively for pursuing his life, his teachings through us. 86% of the U.S. adult population believes not only that he exists, but he lived a life worth exemplifying. Such belief, though, is not mere wishful thinking. I want you to know that. It's not just based on wishful thinking. The fact is, whether those folks know it or not, that belief that Jesus was a real person is actually rooted in historical fact. Now, of course, in the Bible, we have four books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Gospels. And those, along with some of the letters throughout the New Testament, give us perhaps the most detailed description of his life, of his death, uh, of the disciples, those who followed him. You can read about that in the Bible. But more than that, what I want you to understand this morning, as I said, it's rooted in historical fact, this belief. Uh, I want you to know this, that Jewish rabbis who did not like Jesus or his followers accused him of being a magician and leading people astray, but they never, ever doubted his existence. Isn't that interesting? The very rabbis of Jewish faith that said he was a magician, that didn't like him, didn't like what he was doing, they never doubted his existence. As noted New Testament scholar and textual critic Bart Ehrman notes, Jesus was known by contemporary historians who had reason to look into the matter. No one thought he was made up. Now, this is from contemporary sources that 100 and 200 years after the life of Christ. Take a look at this. For instance, Josephus, writing in around 190 to 100 AD, Josephus, by the way, was a Jewish aristocrat. He was actually a military leader, and he writes the story of Jewish history as well as some of the Roman history of that era. Very well known. Josephus recounts an unlawful execution and identifies the victim as James, the quote, brother of Jesus who is called the Messiah, writing in the antiquities of the Jews, roughly 90 AD. But not only that, there's a lengthier passage attributed to Josephus. Take a look at what it says. He said this, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men, as received the truth with pleasure." He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ, and when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal Jewish men among us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, for he appeared to them alive again the third day as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct at this day." Again, the Jewish historian close to the ground in the first century, writing Josephus there in Testimonium Flavium. But beyond this, there's a man named Tacitus. He too was a historian. We have surviving literature from him. Take a look at what he says. Tacitus, living roughly 56 uh, to 120 AD or so, he wrote this. Now, Emperor Nero falsely blamed, quote, the persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator procurator of Judea in the reign of Tiberius. So we see here also Tacitus, there in the first century or so into the second, writing and testifying that there was a man, in fact, named Jesus, put to death by Pontius Pilate. Not only that, take a look at this in a letter to Trajan, uh, Trajan. uh, a Roman governor, Pliny the Younger, wrote to the emperor that early Christians would, quote, sing hymns to Christ as God. And finally, from Sistonius, Emperor Claudius expelled Jews from Rome who, quote, were making constant disturbances at the instigation of Christus. This is historical literature from the first century, late first century into the second testifying to the fact that a real person named Jesus walked the earth, that he had followers, that people believed, in fact, that he was Messiah. So again, belief rooted in historical fact. But I want you to know this, that there's something, something beyond, I should say, mere belief that is necessary, something beyond mere belief that is necessary to truly understand the person of Jesus. Something more than belief. And that something is called faith. That's beyond belief. There's a difference between belief and faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the confidence in things that are hoped for and conviction about things that are unseen. Conviction or confidence in things hoped for, conviction in things that are unseen. And whereas belief is rooted in what is seen or known with the eyes, for instance, faith is rooted in the human soul, where it affirms truth beyond what can otherwise be proven. And so in a time of testing in which religious leaders were asking of Jesus, they were asking him for a sign to attest to the things that he was saying, a sign from heaven they wanted, uh, a validating sign, uh, that they could see before their eyes and understand through belief, Matthew, writing in the New Testament, tells us this, that Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his followers, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and said this, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Notice Peter's faith claim. More than a man, he said, that would be mere belief. More than a man, Peter spoke a word of faith and believed in Jesus as the coming Messiah. But notice, too, that Jesus says that faith is not revealed so much through what is seen, but rather to the soul given to us by God from heaven. The fact is, God is always speaking. The question is, are you listening? And wherever you are, God is there. Can you see him through the eyes of faith? Now, men and women who are part of this church, uh, none of us, men and women of faith, I should say, uh, are certainly none of us are perfect beings, but rather like Jesus, we are human beings. And yet, like Jesus, we too have had encounters with the living God that no one could ever deny us. Like in my own life, for instance, years ago, when I heard a voice speak to me, live for me, I have something for you. A photo of of my two daughters with a third daughter in, one my wife and I lost, an apparition, so to speak, an appearance and a photograph. I've seen that with my own eyes. That's something that couldn't otherwise be produced. Lynn and I receiving a call to start this crazy church called Mosaic. The very fact that we're in this facility, if you understood or knew the story, it's all supernatural. And those, in my life, stories like that and many others here, those stories in our life have led us personally From mere belief in the humanity of Jesus to faith in his divinity. And no one can deny that of our souls. And so the question, that's what this day is for, I should say. This day is really all about that, right? Faith beyond belief. And so I ask of you this morning the same question Jesus posed to his disciples some 2,000 years ago. Who do you say that he is?
1: Well, good morning, Mosaic. I am a living testimony of the transformative power of Jesus. And this morning, I'm here to tell you a story about what life was like before I met him. Because as a young kid, there were three things that I wanted to achieve in life that were not happening. It was so frustrating. The first thing was this. I wanted to be a rock star. I seriously, I practiced my guitar for hours on end, dreaming of playing with the biggest bands. And of course, I, I confused fame and purpose. I thought if I achieved fame and fortune, that that would be the reason I was born. That was one frustration. The second one was this: I just wanted a girlfriend. Man, I was so shy. You know, being raised the son of two Chinese immigrants. I was just very, very shy, very insecure. I couldn't even talk to women. And I had in my mind formed this idealistic girlfriend that was gonna love me unconditionally and I would learn what love was through a relationship with a female. I, that was frustrating that it didn't happen. And the third one was I wanted a degree in college, right? I mean, remember, I'm the son of two Chinese immigrants. I only had two choices for degrees. I could choose to be an engineer or a doctor. And so I chose engineering and I hated studying and I hated the pressure and the anxiety and the of having to perform just exam after exam after exam after exam of this incredibly challenging, difficult material. And I, confused. If I could just get my degree and not study, I would have peace in my life. That's the way I lived. It was a miserable existence. And one day, I was handed a little green Bible from the Gideons on campus, and I started reading it, and I found the words of Christ were very, very comforting to me. And, and I read that Bible for a good while until I couldn't understand it anymore. It was too too full of these and thous. It was like, you know, an old English translation. And so I went home and got this Bible, the one you see on your screen. My mother gave me this Bible when I was 12 years old, and it just sat in my closet. It's called The Way, and it was written for a way that a young person could understand it back in those days. And I started reading it. And that's when things really came to life. Listen to this passage I read. It was, this is a picture of what's in this Bible. I just took these pictures last night. So my counsel is this, don't worry about things. Food, drink, and clothes, guitars, exams, women. <laughs> For you already have a life and a body, and they are far more important than what to eat and where and what to play and who to, de- who to date and what to study. Look at the birds. They don't worry about what they, what to eat. They don't need to sow or reap or store up food, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Will all your worries add a single moment to your life? And I was like, man, this Jesus guy, he relates to where I am. I was so racked with worry and anxiety. But look at this next power, a little further down. This is Jesus again. But your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need them, that you need them. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life and live as he wants you to. So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day at a time. And I sat there thinking, that is an awesome promise but I have no idea what it means to make him first place in my life or to live in the way he wants me to. I just didn't know what that meant. And as God would have it, take me an entire hour to tell you the rest of the story. But I ended up on a weekend with a bunch of other college students in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and this cowboy from Texas with big boots and a Texas 10-gallon hat came up and taught us what it meant to put him first place in your life and to do as he would do. And, and by the end of that weekend, things had changed. I got on my knees Saturday, May the 2nd, 1981, and said, if everything this cowboy is telling me is true, I want this Jesus in my life. I'll make him first place. I'll give him everything I've got, everything I hope to be, if he will do what this guy says he will do in my life. And I got up a different person. I came back from that weekend. It's like I got to start life over. I guess that's what they call it, being born again. Get a second chance at life. And I knew something so monumental had happened that morning that at the end of the day, I walked up to the cowboy and I said, hey, will you sign my Bible? I had him sign this Bible, and look at what he wrote. This is in the inscription in this Bible right here. He said, To Harry, may the Holy Spirit keep you sensitive to the truth and open to the truth, to his touch, and open to the truth. I love you in Jesus. Bill Stafford, Acts 20, 24. May the 2nd, 1981, and you know, I never looked up the reference, Acts 20, 24, until last night. Seriously, it's been 40 years. I don't know why I never looked it up, but I looked it up last night, and I was blown away. This is what it says. It's quoting Paul. Life is worth nothing unless I live for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. And what's amazing to me is that everything I was looking for, the peace, the unconditional love, the purpose, was found when I put Jesus first place in my life and started trying to live the way he wanted me to. And the moral of the story is this. If he can take this shy, geeky, insecure, Chinese kid with a southern draw and transform him into a pastor of a multi-ethnic urban church here in the heart of Little Rock and stand and preach before you this day that he is the good news And the love and the grace that you need in your own life, how much more could he do for you? Don't waste your life. Give him an opportunity to do what he did in yours, what he did in mine, and one day you'll be able to declare his glory and his goodness. Amen. God bless you.
2: Listen to the word of the gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. Allow me to paraphrase this just a little bit, just to help us put this into perspective what these verses are talking about. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was and is life, and the life is the light of men. The light of Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Today we have talked about Jesus as a man, but I'm standing before you today to declare that yes, he was a 100% man, but today I'm here to declare that he is 100% God. He came to this earth over 2,000 years ago and walked just like we did, had to eat just like we did, do all the things that we do as people. But when he died during that holy week on that Friday and they put him in the grave as a man, he rose up as God with all power in his hands. And as you saw in the video just a few minutes ago, a lot of people struggle with that. How can he be man and God. how can he was a good man, yes, yes, he lived. but how is this possible? I don't know, but I believe it. There's a lot of things in this world I, I don't know. I don't when it really comes down to it, I, I don't know how birds fly. When it comes down to it, I can't tell you how, well, how the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I can theorize and maybe give you a little hypothesis about it. There's a lot of things that I don't know. I, I've been forming, farming most of my life. 50 years, over 50 years I have been a farmer. And I can tell you to this day, I can tell you how to raise a cow. I can tell you how to birth a cow. I can tell you how to feed a cow. But I can't explain to you how a black cow eats green grass and gives white milk that makes yellow butter. But it happens. I believe it. I've seen it. But there are some things in this world that we can't believe and we can't see. And one of those things is the deity of Christ, We can't see him. We have to believe in him by faith. And that's what it is. This is a faith walk, a faith journey. And many of you are here this morning because this is part of your faith walk, your faith journey. You got up this morning because there was something inside of you that said, I need to get to the house of God. I need to go meet Jesus. Or maybe you got up this morning, you're like, I don't really know this Jesus, but I want to get to know him. Were you in the right place? Because Jesus is here. He is here. And like I said, we can't explain everything about Jesus. Yes, he was man, but yes, he is God. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but at the same time, he's the one who washes all our sins away. And I can't explain everything about Jesus. I can't explain much of nothing, y'all. I'm from Dorado, product of the public school systems. But I, I can't explain how, how, how Jesus, as a man, he got tired, but at the same time, he said that he's the one that's going to give us rest. I can't explain why why Jesus, as a man, he got hungry, but at the same time, he's the bread of life. I can't explain how Jesus, as a man, he, he was thirsty, but at the same time, he is water in dry places. I can't explain why, as a Man that Jesus wept, he cried. But at the same time, he's the one who's going to wipe all our tears away. He can do that because he's a man, but he's still God. And all you have to do today is trust him. Believe him. On down in John, it says He came to his own people, and his own people received him not. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right or the power to become children of God. That is all you have to do today. You have to believe on his name. Jesus already did the hard stuff. He hung, he bled, he died, he stayed in the grave, and over on the third day, he got up with all power, In heaven and earth, in his hands, he did the hard part. Now all we have to do is believe. And in a few moments, the deacons are going to come forward. We have some people just earlier today that professed their trust in Jesus. And they're going to be baptized. Right here, right now, today. So we're going to prepare this baptism pool right now. We're going to take this top off. We're going to get people over here, get get them queued up for baptism. Pastor Harry is going to come forward. Other pastors. And during this time, as we prepare for baptism, there's still time for you. There is time for you to receive Jesus. Romans 10 and 9, it's real simple. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a period at the end of that. You will be saved. And some of you came here today, you've been wrestling with a lot of things in your life. And today it may just be time for you to turn your life over to Jesus to profess your trust in him. I'm going to come down off this stage. I'm going to be right down here. If that is you today, if you need Jesus, if you need prayer, if you need to come back to Jesus, if you need whatever you need, he's got it for you. I just want you to meet me right down here on this floor. The pool, like I said, is going to be open here in a minute for those who want to be baptized, who have already accepted him as their Lord and Savior. And there may be some in here who may not quite understand, but if you believe in your heart, you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. That is it. So if that is you, Come on down. Meet me right here. Let us worship our Lord and Savior together.
0: I hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message recorded live at Mosaic Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Take a moment right now to subscribe on your favorite platform and get our podcasts pushed right to your device each week. We welcome your comments. If you live in central Arkansas, we hope you'll visit us soon in person. And thanks also for considering our financial needs. To donate, visit mosaicchurch.net. That's mosaicchurch.net. On behalf of all of us at Mosaic, I'm Mark DeMoz. Thanks again for listening.